Pulp MX Network production. You cast me, I'll complete me to What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. Still going. Episode 411 this week. Uh, Chris Kiefer, Jason Wygan in studio, Skip Norfolk joins them. Uh, Kellen from Racer X and apparently a video game player. I, I don't know the guy, but he has listened to the Pulp Mix wrap up show. He said, and he didn't hate it apparently. So he's good with me. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun show this week. We're going to actually announce our winners of the Michelin bicycle tire giveaway that we did. Got a bunch of emails. I'm going to read a few of those. So looking forward to it. But let's talk about our sponsors real quick. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers of foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lamps and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, JGR Suzuki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. You know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulpamex Show, and now I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show. Like I said, we're giving a set of tires away tonight. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, stay tuned for more info about a Pulp MX discount code on Michelin bicycle tires. Follow at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. So, yeah, we're going to get to the show here in a little bit. We've got uh, some really fun guests coming up. I think you guys, guys are going to enjoy this episode. I uh, didn't get a bunch of hate emails this week or voicemails on the Pulp Show, so that's a good sign. Let's get to our guests. All right, so on the line with me are my two guests, brought to you by Michelin Motorcycle Tires. Mr. Clint Esposito from Two Wheels to Freedom Podcast. What's up, Clint? Uh, not much. How are you, Dark Side? Doing good, man. Super, super excited about this episode. Um, you are a f- you're a comedian, man. That's what you've you know been doing a little bit on the side lately, and um, I think you're going to bring some some Randy Richardson type humor to this. I hope. He's. Uh... First, I'd like to say it's great to be on the most hated motocross podcast <laughs> in the United States right huh. now. Okay. Um, but but uh, he he's a special character. He's on 24-7. Right. And um, I kind of just slip in, uh, you know, one-liners here and there. So. <laughs> well, I, I got a chance to sit and watch you at Vegas at the pul- live Pulp Show last year um, before the finals, and 
I thought you were fantastic. So that I, I look forward to what we're about to do tonight. But also on the line with me from motorsport.com or brought to you by motorsport.com where you can find all everything you need from OEM parts, aftermarket parts, riding gear and accessories. Motorsport.com brings us Talon the producer. What's up Talon? Oh. <laughs> the new lone wolf. How you doing Talon? Man, I'm excited to have you on. Good. Yeah, excited to be on. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, you know you got you got a little bit of voicemail, not hate, but some voicemail criticism. So we're going to talk about that at the end. Um, but Talon, first yeah, of all, I was all, honestly surprised. What's that? I was surprised it took that long to get a hater. <laughs> well, you know, I, I watch every week on Facebook, and there's a lot of comments on there, and there, you know, the drops uh, topic seems to be. The main thing that people are, you know, they're just used to it, and I know it's going to take time, but we're going to talk about that once we get to voicemails. Um, I do want to know from you, Talon, before we get going, you know, what's it like being in the studio every week? Um, how, how are you liking it? I love it so far. It's cool just to – I've always just been a huge Moto fan, so it's cool just to be a part of it, and Steve's got one of the biggest brands in the industry, so it's cool to be a part of Steve's out of all the, all the brands. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a lot of fun uh, being in studio every week. Now, this week, uh, Talon, Kiefer was in studio. Um, did he remember you? Yeah, Kiefer remembered me. Mathis always asked, oh, you, you know Talon? And me and Kiefer have met like four or five times, and not even from the show. We've met at the track a few times, too. But, yes, yeah, so me and Kiefer know each other. Okay, Clint, have you ever yeah, met? But, Go ahead. Yeah, but Kiefer uh, told me the same thing when he met me. He was like, I know your name. I know your name. And then he goes, he's like, you wrote a Suzuki, and it's the wrong Clint. So, <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's classic Kiefer. Kiefer at Denver last year, uh, we're sitting in the press box. You know, we'd been hanging out most of the day, and he goes, hey, Darkside, what's your real name? I'm like, dude, we've known each other for like two years. And <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever, Kiefer. But, yeah, that's classic Kiefer. Um, okay, so episode 411, um, I, th- I thought it was a really great show. Obviously, it focused very highly on the Dylan Ferrandis christian Craig incident. A uh, lot of opinions on that. Um, I guess real quick, since you guys are both, in my opinion, uh, industry guys, let's just very briefly, Clint, what was your opinion of it, man? Was it malicious or was it a bad mistake? Uh, I'm gonna, I, I think it was just, uh, yeah, not thinking clearly or just getting excited. There was definitely, he, he was going way faster. Like there was just no reason to even try to stick it in there yeah. that early. He was going way faster. Um, so I think it was probably just poor judgment. Why would you, in the position that he's in one, he's never been like that really. And being in the position of trying to win the championship, you wouldn't put yourself in danger intentionally of also going down. So I'd have to say it's probably just bad judgment. Yeah, so you you very much seem to agree with the, the studio guests and everybody pretty much that was on Pulpamex Monday night. That seems to be the general consensus of most rational people. Uh, Talon, you were in studio. That seemed to be, the, again, the consensus. Uh, were your thoughts on board with the same thing? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I thought it was a bad move. It was just too soon for yeah. that. Like, they had 10 minutes left in the race, and... Ferrandis was going way faster. He could have made a clean move on Craig and still had plenty of time to to get Jet. So I think it was just – I don't have a problem with the move. I just think it was way too early to make that move. Yeah, I think I think you're uh, absolutely right. I agree. And it's, it seems to be, again, 
the industry wise seems to agree with that. There's some keyboard warriors out there that uh, we love listening to. You know, right? I mean, that produce a lot of hate, and we're going to talk about that when we get to David Villeman. Um But that's what a, a lot of the show was about that this week. Um, you know, of course, early on, right off the bat, Weege kind of gives Kiefer a bunch of crap about. Uh, not knowing that the comments that Kiefer said, you know, being at the races last week, not knowing how do you do this. I was so tired. Uh, we talk about it some towards the end of the show. Wage was pretty disappointed in Kiefer. I'm disappointed in Kiefer. Uh, you know, as a moto guy, I would think you'd want to be at the race every chance you get. Uh, Talon, can you even relate to weed or to Kiefer, you know, not knowing how to, how you do this and being tired and wanting to be in bed early? Personally, I can't relate because I'm more of a night owl. Yeah. So I have no problem staying up still 10. It's not a big deal for me. But for Keeper, he's up early testing all the time, and he's already pretty tired from his work week. So by the time he gets to Saturday, he probably does just want to go home, chill with his family, and be in bed. I really wasn't expecting you to, to uh, you know, be on his side, Talon. Now I'm disappointed <laughs> in you. <laughs> Got to blow him out hey, a little Keeper's, bit. Keeper's, Keeper's one of the biggest fans of the sport. So if he... Yeah. I don't know. He's still going to pay attention and do his thing, but personally, I would want to be there. But I'm not going to judge Kiefer on what he wants to do. Uh, he should. All right, Clint. What's your What are your thoughts on Kiefer and his uh listen his being a little bit old? That's exactly what I was just saying. Me and Kiefer are old, and I totally get it, man. Do you really? It's oh, like God. you got to you got to put. I do. Uh, I do comedy at night, but on those days, I get napped then, and that's my. That's my advice. Keeper's always given a lot of advice. Here's my advice to Keeper. You have to plan for a nap throughout <laughs> that day. At some point, okay. you need to sneak away and get yourself 20 minutes. That's it. 20-minute yeah. nap, and then you're good for the night program. He, he needs a transition between day program and night program. He needs a little fiesta recharge for the night program. God, how old are you, Clint? 40. Okay, so Kiefer is about, I think he's 42 or 3. I'm 44. I don't do it every weekend, but damn it. When I go, like last, at A1, I was up for 22 or 3 hours on Friday, getting there, flying there, going to press day, then slept for like 5, 6 hours and got up, went all day race day, and I feel like I could do that every weekend. I don't I don't get it. I love it so much. I love being there so much. It's It's hard for me to relate. But it is, I guess everybody, you know, the different strokes, right? That's the saying. Um, I think Keeper's been hurt a lot, too. I think that uh, our bodies have been drained from all this motocross crashes. We need extra nap. Fair enough. Fair enough. Talent. <laughs> all right. So recently, the show started an hour earlier, but it feels like every week the show goes to the same time it used to. So it's just, it feels like it's getting longer and longer. Um, do you think Steve moving the time up an hour? Is that just so he can go longer? Or, you know, last week, Tits was like, he was out of there. You're kind of along for the ride, it seems like. Yeah, I'm along for the ride. I'll stay till midnight. I don't care. But I think the plan is to have it end earlier and to try to get Keeper and the other co-hosts back on the road like an hour earlier. And if it goes till 10, it goes till 10, but that's better than it going till 11, how it used to be, or 12 sometimes. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I just noticed it, again, because I'm doing my notes, and you guys, you know, uh, Clint this week, probably taking notes. I listen live as much as I can, and 
once it starts getting to like midnight, I'm going, holy crap, this has been a long night, you know, and I love the show, but it's sort of hard to listen all at one time, but I try to get it done. And it just makes, it's funny though, that he moved it up an hour to get it done an hour earlier, but it doesn't seem like that's been the case so far. Um, all right. So back to real quick to Dylan and the Christian Craig thing. Obviously he gets, you know, there wasn't really any fine. He didn't lose any spots. He's on probation. Um, there was an insane amount of booze. So that's a lot of a topic that gets talked about a lot Monday night. Um, and the, the idea of the fact that if he wasn't French, maybe he doesn't get as many booze. If it's anybody else, I think Weed said might be 20% less booze. Clint, what are your thoughts? Do uh, you think they're pretty accurate about that? I bet it would be uh, way more than just 20% less. Yeah. I mean, I, I do... I do think that um, him being French, and even if he had been in another country, it probably wouldn't have been so bad for some reason. But True. people are mad at French dudes, especially in Supercross, because they're so damn good. Yeah, you think that's part of it? Just that they're so good? You think that? that I actually didn't really consider that part. That they are typically uh, guys that can steal some spots away for sure. Yeah, I, I think um, I don't know. I think. Uh, it's probably more of a cultural crossover mm-hmm. because um, I don't know. I don't think they like us that much either. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, so right. I think that the cultures are different, and it's just like a you know the town, and they're not right next door to us. But that's funny. We don't have the same issue with Mexico. But uh, <laughs> we would cheer for right. We would cheer for a Mexican supercross guy. We'd be like, yeah, this guy's sweet. Yeah, Pedro but, uh, Pedro Gonzalez back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Everybody loved them. Right. It's weird. We just got a thing with France. I don't know. Yeah, and it's I don't really get it. You know, uh, Talon, I it it bums me out. First of all, the way people act, um, but I you know I fully believe if the roles were reversed, uh, it wouldn't have went that way. I like uh, the question if it had been anybody else. If if Eli had taken Marvin out two years ago instead of the other way around, I think the the crowd would have went crazy. Uh, a couple years ago, when Zacco destroyed Savachi, the crowd went crazy. But it's something about the. It just seems like it's something about the French riders that are uh, you know that are kind of honed in on Talon. I think it has more to do with the personality of the riders beforehand too, because. If you remember when Fernandez first came over two years ago, he was riding pretty aggressive and dirty, and a lot of people didn't really like him. And then last year with his battles on AC, I think he won a lot of people over. Uh-huh. But all it takes is one bad move to, to get the fans to turn on you again. Yeah, you're right. Same with Eli on Marvin. Eli is like the American guy. Like, he's, I don't know, everyone loves that guy. Like, he's just kind of the classic American guy. Yeah, but, but I think if you have if you have a crash though, if, same thing. You got somebody like a Christian, like Chad Reed, is doing okay, and uh, um, he runs into Chad Reed. Everybody's gonna hate him, hundred percent. They're booing Mark, uh, Mark, if he runs Chad Reed off the track. Yeah, you know. Where, whereas if Chad Reed comes and slams Marvin, how many people do you think are gonna have an issue with that? <laughs> None. None. Yeah. Exactly. The Aussies are are special. They have, I don't know, Americans just love Aussies, too. It's very strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange the way people react to certain things, you know, but then other things are okay. Um, Do you you agree that maybe uh, 
that Dylan may have something coming from Christian Craig that I don't see Christian being that type of guy, but Kiefer kind of talked about it and said, uh, uh, you know, when you're, that's not a good place to be in Clint. If for hit to, for Dylan to have one coming when he's in the hunt for a championship, um, you, you agree? You think it's going to happen? You think it could happen? Uh, I think it could happen. Um, no, I agree. You don't want to make any enemies when you're going for a championship yeah. because it's just extra. I mean, very well, they could get be close to each other, and Christian just sees an opening, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm not going to cut him any sweat. Not even necessarily like I'm going to take him out right now, but be like willing to get a little closer, which could end up, you know, being bad for yeah, yeah, sure. for Dylan. Yeah, I, but um, I don't necessarily, I don't see him like being like out for blood, like he's going to run him over. Right? There, you no, know? I don't think so either. Um, I did like Kiefer. Uh, you guys may not know this, but Kiefer's comment about Dylan should come out to Pantera's uh, fucking hostile. I was, I was pretty into that. Yeah. You know, he should just play it up. I'm, I'm down with any Pantera. Uh, I got a feeling Talon's probably a little too young for Pantera, but um, that, that'd be uh, that'd be cool for Dylan just to say, you know what? All right, I'll play the role. I'll be the bad guy. Um, but anyway, let's talk about Martin Davalos. First call-in guest of the night. Um, Martin is, uh, you know, he's, he's the new pulp. Pope guy, I guess. Mathis is all about Team Marty. Um, and I really, really enjoyed Marty. He is one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um, and he's pretty honest. I felt like he he, had, he was open about some things he needed to work on. Really enjoyed the interview, Talon. Um, what do you think about him? What do you think about the interview? I, I liked it. I thought he was good. And he's pretty, like you said, he's pretty honest about where he's at. And he'll, he'll tell the truth. He doesn't sugarcoat like where he thinks he is or anything like that. He's pretty honest about it. Yeah, he was pretty open about it. he's got to get better starts. Uh, you know, he, he said, you know, i got to quit crashing or I'm not going to make it through the season. Uh, pretty pretty impressive. Not everybody will admit to some of those things. Clint, what do you think about Martin Davalos? I thought that um, he and Mathis are having a full-on bromance right before <laughs> our very eyes. Yeah, yeah. You hear him? <laughs> he, he went from, like, Marty should give it up to uh, like Marty super fans. So I think from now on, uh, I dubbed them Math Below. Okay. <laughs> when they're, when they're together. Is, he's working with Timmy. So anyone who's working with Timmy, Mathis is just all over it. Yeah, that's so true. Math Below, it is. I like it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna stamp that and hashtag it. That could be. Uh... That yeah, that'll that'll get right up in there in the social media world. You know the the hashtag, I like it. Um, I really really enjoyed. Weege kind of had some big balls in asking him, "Do you do you feel like you should have stayed in the two fifties a little longer?" Uh, that was funny. That's one of those moments where I I uh, kind of laughed out loud. I I wasn't expecting that, uh, to Alan. That was quick. Yeah, that was quick. And we've had we've made jokes about that on the show before. But oh I yeah, didn't expect him to actually bring it up to Marty. But, yeah, that to was, say it to him was funny. And and he and Martin yeah. didn't even like like you know bat an eye. He just kept on rolling with it. Uh, I think he's okay with the joke at this point. Yeah, he he knows where he stands. He knows he knows he's been in the two fifty class for forever. And yeah, he, I don't know. He wants to move up to the four fifty so. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he, I think he's got a. I think he's got a good attitude about it. Yeah, he said that many times that you know he he would have loved to have moved up, but he didn't have the opportunity. And 
you know, anybody other than the keyboard warriors can understand, like, you know, if you don't have a ride in the 450 class, but you can get paid in the 250 class, and Steve's talked about this, then why would you not stay in the 250 class? Uh, you know, or I, Steve and the other guys have talked about it, you know, on the show that he's got to make a living and the opportunity was there and, and nobody in their right mind would say, I'm going to walk away from a pro circuit ride or a rock star Husky ride to go ride for a no name privateer team. You know, you're just not on a 450. You're not going to do that. Um, so yeah, but Marty was great. I really, uh, I, I like Marty a lot and I think I'm glad that him and Steve have kind of made up. And as you said now, Clint, he's a, Steve's a new super fan. I like it. Yeah, they're math below. Yeah. You gotta remember that. <laughs> I'll write that in my notes. Um, Jason Thomas, of course, a regular on the show, a lot of good stuff when he came on. Um, a question was proposed to JT about, you know, if, if Baggett hadn't crashed, where would he have finished? And Baggett was coming at that point. He was flying, and JT thinks he would have gotten at least second if he doesn't crash. What do you think, Clint? Was, was Baggett going to move up that far? Uh, you can't ever tell with Baggett. Yes, to say to say that because he was going that fast, uh, the first half of lap that he was going to keep it up the entire race. You know, uh, it's debatable. I would say from his track record. You know, sometimes he likes to go chupacabra and then uh, grenade himself. Yeah, I agree. I just man, the, the field with being so stacked like that. I think it's. It's hard to say where Baggett would have finished. It's hard to say where anybody's going to finish, but um, JT was pretty confident in that. Um, Talon, also, while talking to JT, JT mentions, you know, they're talking again about the Dylan-Christian Craig thing, and JT is talk, saying that he's even getting messages from fans, uh, DMing him or whatever, and saying, you know, you should choke slam him. A uh, little, little out of hand, some of the keyboard warriors, the, the way people seem to think these days. Um, what are your thoughts on... You know, on the hate that we get, or people seem to promote on uh, message boards or social media. There is definitely too much hate, and messaging JT and trying to have JT do anything is just that's just dumb. That's never going to happen. But I'm not going to lie. If I was, I was pretty heated. I was drinking with my friends Saturday night watching <laughs> the race, and I I wasn't a big fan of the move. So if I was in the stands, I would have been booing. But I'm yeah. not going to. I'm not going to send him hate mail or anything like that. I, I think that's a little overboard. Yeah, it drives me crazy that people have the audacity to say some of the things they say. Uh, a couple of things with the JT with JT on the line uh, at the while JT was online. Uh, Steve mentions again this is two, second or third time I've heard him say this, Clint, where he mentions that the the Maxima Pro Filter deal, a Geico deal, he helped put that thing together. I feel like Steve is really wanting some credit for this thing. So, uh, you know, should we should we give it to him? I mean, what? How much do you think you really had to do with this? Um, I don't feel like it matters because <laughs> okay. uh, you need you, you need to not get. He's gonna either way. You want him to keep on because that's the entertainment of Steve. So, if we give him any credit for the Steve Mathis Memorial banners or anything the like Nets, that, yeah. then he wins. Then he, yeah, yeah, the net. Then he wins, and you can't let him win that easily. So I say we just continue to pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, Talon, I think a fired up, uh, up, you know, not necessarily unhappy Mathis, but a fired up, um, negative Mathis is a lot more fun to listen to. Oh, yeah, that's why we all tune in, is just to hear his rants and to hear what he has to say on things. That's why we all tune in. We like it when he gets fired up. 
Yeah, absolutely. So a couple more things with JT. Um, Kiefer asked JT about Chad Reed. You know, he said, you know, do you think he would like at this point would like to pull the plug because it's not going the way he wanted it to, or you know, or, but does he kind of have to stick around because of some obligations? Um, I have to, uh, you know, I totally feel like Chad has got to be unhappy with the way things are going. Hell, he said that on the post race interviews. But I don't think he's going to pull the plug just yet, Clint. I don't think he wants to, probably. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think he's going to pull the plug because that would be, you know, basically conceding that he's not going to get any better this year. And I think a guy like that still believes that at least, you know, top 10 for sure. So I don't see him walking away on getting, a, you know, an 18th or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I just don't think he would want his legacy to be well. In the last his last season, he he quit, you know, or just walked away, gave up. Uh, yeah, he's got to exactly. fight. He's got to fight through. Uh, one other thing, uh, there was a caller that called in about. I thought this was interesting, um, kind of an interesting topic. You know, why don't gear companies sell rider jerseys, replica rider jerseys? You know, in, in NFL, MLB, hockey, everybody's got jerseys. It's cool to wear your jerseys. Um, but in motocross, supercross, it's become kind of a joke. People don't really do it. The hardcore riders think it's there's something wrong with it for some reason. This guy wanted, you know, replica jerseys with all the logos. And I understood everything that JT was saying. But I, mean, I do think they would probably make some money on this. Uh, you know, Clint, I don't know if you, you probably wouldn't buy one. But, you know, why, why, did this, why is this such a negative thing in our sport? Well, I think that it's because uh, Trans World basically vilified anybody that wears a jersey to an event, calling it a pickup kit and making fun of them. And we know that the motocross community is super cool, guy. True. Um, and they even said, somebody made the comment that wearing jerseys is an East Coast thing, where we're less cool over here. Uh, I didn't ca- I heard him say that, but it didn't register what you're saying like it, i was like why why does that matter okay i see what you're saying yeah we're less cool guy whereas in california everybody's you know got their sra chats and their metal militia t-shirts or whatever yeah and although although that's the anomaly you can buy a militia t-shirt and be cool even though they call all their followers posers or people <laughs> that buy stuff like that but to but to buy a jersey of a rider is not cool and i think that that's the issue with this whole sport to an extent. You know, everybody goes, these guys should get paid more for the risk. And then they're like, hey, buy my T-shirt. And they're like, I raced the C-Class. Can you give me a discount? Yeah, yeah. You know, no, pay for You want Christian Craig to get a bonus? Buy a jersey. Pay full, full price for a shirt, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely, I see your point. Um, I, I don't know, Tal. Oh, go ahead. I think I'm sorry. I think with the um the thing that JT was saying, and I I believe 100 percent that is true. But I bet you, if there was a big market, if the thing is they're they're afraid of printing a, and only selling a hundred, whereas if they knew they were going to sell a hundred thousand, I can guarantee you that paperwork work wouldn't be so daunting. Yeah, the, I you know they mentioned NASCAR and stuff like that, and I think uh, somebody said, well, they don't put all the sponsors on the the shirts or whatever. But I've seen lots of NASCAR shirts, or even uh, you know I grew up around like uh, sprint car racing, and you go buy a driver's t shirt and it has sponsor logos all over it. Uh, that's maybe yeah. not at quite the same level of what they're talking about, but 
yeah, I think you're right. If if they were if they knew they were going to sell, yeah, I think it would be a. I, I definitely think it would make some money, but it, there is a stigma at this point. Talon, if it wasn't considered uncool, uh, would you be somebody that would buy like one of your favorite riders' jerseys, or do you think other you know know somebody that might be actually into that? Would that be a cool thing? I personally probably wouldn't be into the riders' jersey thing, but I I'm sure people would be into it, and I don't think the riders' jersey is what's getting hated on. I think it's the people wearing their random Fox jerseys. Yeah. It's it's the goons, so to say, that are wearing their random jerseys that those are the guys getting hated on. I think if it was like football and you had, you know, Roxton ninety four on the back, I think people would think that was cool was cool. They would just think, Oh, that guy's a Roxton fan. Yeah. It's not like, oh, that guy's a bro poser type deal. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit that you know, since you know, you brought up the the pickup kit thing, Clint. Like, since that was going on a few years ago, I guess that's probably where some of the stigma came in my mind. Now that you say that, you know, I've looked at people walking through the pits and being like, "Look at that goofball wearing his jersey," you know. But it, I don't know why. It, other than that, other than Transworld, I don't know why I would have that opinion. So I, I clearly have been influenced by that. Um, yeah, that's kind of sad to say, but I have to admit that's that. Now that you bring it up. Makes sense to me. Um, I have seen guys, uh, maybe two or three years ago at Dallas, I saw a father and son walking through the pits in full gear. Like, they were fans. They weren't riders. They were in boots, pants, yeah. jersey, gloves, helmet on their arm. I'm like, what are y'all doing? But Think about their dedication to being uncomfortable just for that That's for true. That that's, that's the other thing I thought about. Like, you're going to be here for like six hours and all that, and it's hot in Texas usually. Uh, so yeah, that's true, man. That's dedication. It's a good way to look at it. Um, so I want to touch on very, we don't really talk about the commercials on the show. And I think a lot of people probably skip the commercials, fast forward through the commercials, but there's a new commercial that I want to get your guys' opinion on, uh, the Michelin read with, uh, super fan, Eli super fan Dylan, uh, just like myself gets a lot of hate. Um, but the guy is passionate and I think it's, badass that randy uh did this commercial with dylan talon um what are your thoughts man have you had a chance to talk to dylan yet since you've been in studio yet but i think it's cool randy always does creative stuff for his for his sponsors uh for his company like his i can't think of the word right now but his advertisements are always cool and they're always well done and he uses he uses like drops from the show yeah he's always using that for for his advertisements yeah, I, I like it. I appreciate the fact that he knows that there's this negativity towards the guy, and Randy's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do this, and this is cool, and it's fun, and gave him a shot. Uh, I like it. Um, so you just mentioned drop. And it makes you remember Michelin. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, you just mentioned the drop, so I want to talk to you about that just real fast. Um, and I know there's some voicemails on We talked about that briefly, but um, what is it about the drops and the system like, what do you have to learn? How does it, why is it like, I know it takes time, but what, why is it explain to the listeners why it's not as easy as probably they think it is. Well, first off, I, that's kind of the least important part of my job. Like I firstly have to answer the phone calls and screen all the calls and everything. And then, but there's also like 150 drops to choose from. You have to know where all of them are. Like, especially when someone's talking, you have a, Really, you have like a two-second window to get that drop in yeah. before the timing's passed. And also, I don't want to always interrupt the conversation. You know, if there's good conversation going on, I don't want to throw a drop in and have them talk about that for a few seconds. I like to just let the conversation flow. But 
once I get more comfortable, it'll definitely get better. And I feel like this last show was better than the previous one. So yeah, you were you're hitting more. Uh, you know, of course, I don't. We don't always know when you're doing it or Steve's doing it. Um, at least you know, but it definitely seemed like there was more of them. And I wanted you though to also talk a little bit more about what else you do. So you, I know you're screening calls. You're also when the calls come in, I you have to message Steve or however you guys do the message, so he knows who's on the line or what they want to talk about. Um, I, I would imagine you have other roles that you're doing all at the same time. Yeah, so lately the the shows have been so packed with callers lately. Like I've had full phone lines for the first two hours of the show. So basically I get a phone call and I'll, you know, just send a short message, like, right, get their name down and then basically what they want to talk about and kind of screen the question a little bit so Steve knows if it's worth bringing on the air or when to bring that guy on to the air, like relevant to what they're talking about at the time. Yeah. So I send that over and then... I, once that's on, I'm done with the call with that caller. Like that's all on Steve to bring them on, and I feel bad sometimes because they'll be on hold for an hour and they'll just they'll be sitting there. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, and then just the intros and outros and that kind of stuff, and just kind of making sure the show runs smoothly with all that. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, the, I guess my point was I, people, as always, don't usually know what they're talking about with things, and they have comments, and it's not. It's not so easy. It's not you just answering phones and hitting a drop button. You got other stuff, other responsibilities. It takes a lot. And, you know, if you go back and listen when Travis first started, he wasn't quite as smooth as he was two months ago. So it takes time. Um, and I know you, you're going to, you're doing, I think you're doing a great job. You'll get it figured out and, and you'll, uh, you'll be beloved as much as Travis was, I'm, or is, I'm sure. Uh, Clint, let's talk about David Villeman. David uh, always, almost always wide open as far as he, he gives his opinions. Uh, he definitely doesn't pull his punches. He's very unbiased. He said that a few times. What what did you like about the Dave Villeman interview? Uh, well, you could tell how passionate he got about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because you could see he wanted to – he explained like three different ways how uh, Dylan was trying not to run into Christian, which um, – you know, understandable, and I agreed with him. <clears throat> but uh, I thought that was good. You know, you could see that he actually he's just passionate about the, the his relationship with his rider, and um, the guy is smart. Yeah, he brings absolutely. up a lot of things all the time that you're like, huh? I never thought of that. Like that's never dawned on me. So I mean, I think just his knowledge and. Um, as much as he likes to say he hates the sport, I mean, it's similar to Steve being like he's retiring from right. media every year. You know, they just like, to, it's dads and dogs. You know, don't get that dog. And then they're, you know, sitting with it all day. It's the same thing. Yeah, and Talon, um, you know, I think some of his comments were were fantastic. Like Clint just said, he had a lot of good points. Uh, he mentioned that he felt like this was Dylan's best Supercross super ride ever. Uh, and it was overshadowed, even if he hadn't won. If Jed had won, he said he thought it was one of the best rides. Uh, he talked about he talked about all the details that Clint just mentioned. But I don't know, Talon, if you are paying attention to the Facebook live uh, comments. Like I know Travis used to a little bit. He tried to get on there. There was a lot of negativity towards the David Villeman interview, and I was very surprised. Did you see any of that? I didn't see any of the Facebook comments this week. No, I wasn't on there. Okay, but so I like. Oh, go ahead. I liked how he said. He was talking about how 
when he got into third, Prague and Jet were actually his allies. Like those yeah, were yeah. two guys that should have been second and third, and they could have put more points on Cooper and Fortner. So I, I liked how he even he backed up his guys because he has to back up his guy, but he also kind of said like, hey, he should have used those guys to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought that was smart on his. It end. was very smart, and he he gave a lot of details. Clint mentioned, but the Facebook comments were like, uh, I'm reading this here saying uh, DV is too PC, which I don't believe at all. I uh, should have said Dylan effed up. You were impatient. That was stupid. Uh, people were saying D- DV is rambling. He's a snoozer. Uh, cringeworthy. Uh, too much of an explanation. Like I totally disagree with those comments. Uh, I mean, I think that's what the show, a big part of the show, should be about is like getting the real story, the inside stuff. And Dylan or uh, DV was not really, even though he's Dylan is his writer, he wasn't completely backing him you know he's like no he messed up and i i thought that it was a dumb move yeah yeah, i mean and and i thought that was great um and david billman made a a really funny comment about you know hey he was getting hate mail or hate messages also and getting hammered like he was the cobra kai coach from karate kid that was a a very good a funny laugh for me uh once again um but i want to talk about this caller caller ryan called in and he was a guy that was in the stadium and uh, you know, mad like everybody else and booing, got caught up in the moment. But after listening to DV, he wanted to apologize. So I feel like I feel like David did a, a good a good service, Clint. Yeah, I thought that um, sad music was about to start to come on, <laughs> and then he was going to cry. Yeah, going to be like one of those Sally Struthers commercials to <laughs> donate to the dogs. You know, the hungry um, children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ones you're like, I don't even want to donate because I don't want to watch the rest of this commercial. I'm sad right. already. I'm going to go eat some ice cream. <laughs> uh, no, I, I thought it was good. You know, I think, um, I guess you needed to hear it from the other side, you know, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't ever uh, try to put themselves in another position, you know, and, um my friend Javier Viegas and I always used to say, because he's a, also a freestyle guy, and we'd go to events uh, and we'd watch people practice and we'd just be like, that's so easy from here. Like, we'd just say, everything's easy from the stand. Yeah. If, if you're not there, it's easy to say what you would have done, should have done, or whatever. But, you know, uh, that's just not how it is when you're actually in there dealing with stuff. No, you're right. You're right, and uh, it, it it always makes for in, interesting conversation. Um, here in a minute, I want to talk about Michelin bicycle tires, and we've got a winner of a set of Michelin bicycle tires. So we're gonna get to that in just in a moment. Before that, Cooper Webb also came on. Cooper Webb uh, has been improving each week uh, after being sick. You know, he's he's getting better and better. Um, thought he was, you know, as always a great interview. Also, I think Steve did some really good stuff. Talon, what was, uh, what was the best part of having Cooper on? Uh, I just liked how brutally honest he is about where he's at and where he has been. Like he, at one point he said, you know, usually when Tomac's on, he wins by 20 seconds. And this time he was able to keep it to five. So he's, he's, he's able to realize that, yeah, sometimes Eli's going to be great or he's willing to give other people credit. You know, he's, yeah. he's not just all about me, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he he had some good stuff. Uh, Steve asked him about, you know, the uh, as always as the topic was the the Dylan issue, and you know asked Cooper if he'd even use that line because I think a lot of people 
were trying to say, like, that wasn't even a good line. And Cooper's like, well, yeah, I used it, you know, a few times. Not when anybody else was in the outside, but it was a race line. It was working to a degree. So, uh, you know, it kind of at least gave a little bit of legitimacy to Dylan attempting the move, although it went, it was a bad move. And we all agree. Um, also, you know, him talking about this, this was one of the, the best things that happened to me all night. Um, is Phil apparently, uh, uh, man, my mind just blank. Phil, um, sends text to Cooper about things he should do better. And, uh, yeah, Cooper said, yeah, I get that. I get this advice a lot. Steve says you would think Phil is a multi-time super crash champ with all his advice. Um, I don't know, man. What do you think about getting advice from Phil there, Clint? Uh, for me, I, yeah. would, I could definitely use Phil's advice. Could you? But yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about uh, freestyle stuff, but definitely track stuff. I'm taking <laughs> Phil's advice. But uh if I'm Cooper Webb, yeah, I don't know that I put um, too, too much weight in it. You know, again, it's like we were talking about. That stuff's easy from the stand. Yeah, I would just love to see some of these texts. These, I would, I wish that Cooper would uh, maybe put make a... Release the text? Yeah, release the text that Phil, <laughs> you know, bad news Phil gives him a uh, talent because, you know, with with knowing Phil the way he is and the, the language he uses and the way he words things and his negativity, uh, I think they would be epic. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's pretty blunt with his advice. But at the same point, he's a professional. He's been doing it for years, and yeah. while he may not be able to do better than Cooper, he knows... He- he can see what Cooper's doing wrong, you know? So I would definitely take that advice and maybe read through the lines and see what I, you know, see if it's actually something I work. Yeah. So Clint, just like in your mind, like right now, if you, you're Cooper Webb, uh, you know, you just get done with your, your main event at a two, what, give me an example of what you think a a text from Phil Nicoletti might say. Got anything off the top of your head? Yeah. What the fuck were you doing in that second set of work? Any jackass would have gone inside in that turn. Yeah. I mean, you get moving until the 10 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that, that you guys know Phil well. Factory Phil Nicoletti. Um, yeah, I, I mean, hell, he's he's a one-of-a-kind character for sure. Um, and a couple other things Cooper said that were pretty good was uh, talking about, you know, it's good to get your ass kicked every once in a while. Again, some honesty. Uh, Cooper's definitely not scared to say that, you know, hey, he, hell, he admitted, you know, that he hadn't been putting the work in, right, earlier in the last couple of years when he was on Yamaha the first four, couple of 450 years. Once he got to Baker's factory, he's like, yeah, man, I wasn't doing what I need to do. The guy is not secretive as much as a lot of the other writers, so he's always a good interview, and Steve does a great job of getting some of that information out of him. Um, Kiefer actually asked him a question that, I asked at the A1 press conference, and I was like, hey, man, that's bullshit. I should get credit for that. But he asked Cooper what it felt like for Steve and Weeds, who were in studio, to not give him you know, the the top of the, the list, right, for the uh, – what were they calling it? The, the power rankings. The power rankings. The power rankings, yeah. yeah. So he didn't get picked number one. I asked him that at the press conference. Is that like extra motivation? And he's like, oh, hell yeah. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool that Kiefer asked him on air in front of Steve and Weeds to, you know, kind of blew those guys out. A yeah, kind of blew them out a little bit. So uh, that's I always like it when Steve gets blown out, uh, Talon. Yeah, it's got to go both ways. And first of all, 
with buddies. So Weege isn't afraid to. He's not afraid of the backlash from Mathis. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Um, but what do you? How about that, Clint? I mean, do you think it? Do you think they were wrong? All those guys not putting him at number one. Um, I mean, it's hard not to after last year, especially when nobody yeah. saw it coming. And then, um, you know, she just was always good, always good. No matter what happened, he finished, you know, super consistent. And he showed that he also had, he showed that he was smart and that he also had the speed. So, I mean, I think that, um, you know, especially the way, the way he did it is hard to not say that he could do it again. You know, it, our people are going to give him a hard time. Yeah. But he's, and he started the exact same way he was last year. Just very consistent and consistently like top three, which is hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think Steve and Weeds were wrong for not putting him or whoever, all the guys that were involved with the power rankings and the talk beginning of the season, not putting him at the top of the list, I think was um, a little bit of a disservice to what, Cooper did last year, and you know the ability that he has. But that hey, that was their opinions. Uh, I do want to mention. Here's the oh, yeah, go ahead. To 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 call that to keep going with Eli. I mean, and this might be a hot take, but I think that you know a lot of these guys, uh, Eli included, everybody moves up a class mm-hmm. or gets into a class, and originally they have this. Uh, let's take Davolo. Here, here's my theory on Davolo's between Paris and A1, or even night one and two of Paris, or I think that's where it was. When you walk in and Geneva. very Geneva, there you go. Yeah. Your very first race, uh, you don't ex- expect anything. You don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then once he does good, now the second night, he expects himself to be up there again. And that can weigh on your on your mind. Now think of a guy like Tomac, who should have won the thing three times, and now it's like there's just a big black cloud over his head with the Supercross, you know. So now it's been it, it's initially hard to win one. Like like look at um, Anderson. Anderson won the first one, and then coming back in with all the pressure, he couldn't handle it. So imagine being the guy that won nine or ten races in a series and then still didn't win. Yeah. And the next year, everybody's like, you're the guy again. And he does the same shit again. Right. And then he does the same shit again. And now there's like this cloud. It's huge. So, I mean, I think the buildup is so big that the pressure is way higher. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I damn sure can't imagine having that kind of pressure. Um, yeah. It's I a don't, lot. All that money, yeah. and they expect him to win, and he just is not. It should be easy. If he had won the first one, I guarantee you he'd have won at least one more after that. Yeah, but I think that, I think the, so. like I said, the negativity is building. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's got to be a lot to take and keeping all that, you know, under wraps and not not letting it openly, outwardly affect you is not got to be got to be a difficult thing. He hasn't had his blow up moment yet. Um, Hey, let's talk about the contest real quick. Uh, contest at pulpmix.com for the Get Wireless Hour Meter giveaway. Don't forget about that. Get entered to that thing. Um, you know, that's that Get Data, Dantrum in there. Great company, great product. So they're giving one of those away. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm still not eligible. Uh, I don't know about you, Clint, if you can get in on that. Uh, Talon, you're probably not eligible either. But that's a cool giveaway. So get in on that. All right, let's do our giveaway. So Michelin Bicycle Tires came on board this year. 
Uh, we we s- gave you guys an opportunity to send in some emails with some questions, and we we're going to pick a winner. I want to read a couple of these emails, and you guys can comment on them, and then we'll talk about our winner. Uh, all right, Talon, this all one right. I'm going to let you answer this one, Talon. This was from Aaron, and he asked, with Steve going for the Joe Rogan angle of YouTube with his podcast, what do you see as the next step in growing his podcast? Any thoughts on that? Uh, the next step, I guess, would just be having, I don't know, maybe more writers in studio and just more people that are higher up maybe in studio and then obviously updating the camera equipment, getting better equipment, better mm-hmm. angles and that kind of stuff. That, that's all going to come with time. I think he was just kind of testing it out yeah. to begin with. But, yeah, hopefully I would hope trying to get really good guess on recently actually so yeah hey your phone i don't know actually where maybe just more camera angles and okay all right uh clint here's one for you uh brian wants to know if shane mcarath had pointed out would he have been the mar fill-in at ktm what do you think uh i think no i on the way that it's gone i think the ktm was looking like they were set to have two uh, A-level guys, mm-hmm. and they're basically like instead of, you know, most teams have a have a guy that can win the championship, and then their second guy is like the good support rider. Yeah. And I don't think that that's what um, DeCoster was going for. I think he wanted two guys that could legitimately win the championship, and if that's not going to be the case, he doesn't want somebody else on that other bike. Yep, fair enough. All right, uh, Talon. Adam says, how long is it going to take before the X-Brand Goggle year-off segment intro is changed from 15-second rapid-fire Q&A to 30 seconds? Uh, I hadn't even noticed that. Oh. I don't know. It, we're still waiting to get me my uh, my own tweet intro, too. <laughs> right. so. yeah. might, might be waiting a while on that one. All right. Uh, this one is from Joe, and he asked, when will Berluti return? Joe, I meant to text Berlute today, and I forgot, so I don't have an answer, but hopefully very soon. Uh, all right. Let's see. Michael, Steve seems less ranty lately. No current beefs with people either. Is it his home life? To, is it his home life to thank, Clint? Um Hashtag home life with Pookie. Is that making things better? I think he's uh, excited about some upgrades at home. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think think she's actually made that decision. I don't think they've talked about it openly yet. But, yeah, she's made – I think she decided against it. Oh, they're not going factory edition? No, I don't think so. Because I was was texting with her because, well, my fiancé has – aftermarket products my ex-wife had aftermarket products so we were talking about that a little bit and she's like yeah i think she i can't remember exactly how she worded it but she made me feel like she's probably not gonna do it so um all right so randy wants to know when will kenny be back on the pulpamex show and chance ability he does the excellent pulpamex wrap-up show uh, I would say Kenny might be a while. Um, he he doesn't respond to text very often i think he's still going through some of his Probably dealing with some of his demons is my guess. He hasn't said that, but that's just my guess. Um, and as far as coming on the wrap-up show, I'd be very surprised if Kenny wanted anything to do with this show. He he barely wants to do the Pulp Mech show. All right, guys, here's the winner. So um, this came from Ariana, and I like this because it's a chick and she's getting involved. Uh, with my boyfriend recently getting me into moto and mountain biking, I've started listening to the podcast with him. With JT and Kiefer each getting their own podcast in the last year and adding yours in along with it, Steve seems to joke a lot about retirement, 
But is this an actual plan? Appears to be an exit strategy. Bummer if so to not have someone to roast riders all the time. Um, my opinion is Steve's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Clint, I'll let you answer first what your thoughts of on him retiring anytime recent anytime in the near future. I don't think uh I don't think that's gonna happen either. I think he's just started he's still improving the show. Yeah. And I think um he gets he gets getting people worked up and emotional and it's the he does that. It's the same reason that he plays all of the, you know, negative uh, phone messages about the after, about the uh, wrap up show, and it's solely because it's still publicity, you know, and it's getting people talking. And uh, you know, if people think that maybe the Pulp MX show is going to go away, and they start listening to more and supporting it more, mm-hmm. you know, it's like basically Motley Crue's last tour, you know, seven times. Yeah, exactly. We'll never play together again. It's not going to happen. Everybody says we'll get back together. We're not going to get back together. Uh, we're getting back together. Yeah, last time, though. Yeah, exactly. So you better see it. <laughs> God, man, it drives me crazy. All right, Talon, uh, he just hired you. You just took uh, Travis's place. He just gave Travis a raise. He just upgraded all the camera stuff. Uh, is Steve going anywhere? No, I mean, he's still investing in the show, so that should that should show you right there yeah. what his plans are. And I think it's a it's a solid revenue stream for him. I don't think I don't know his finances, but I don't know why you'd want to give that up. Oh, I'm sure he's making millions. Multi millions. <laughs> Multi millions. But Ariana and all the all the intro uh, there's a bunch of other emails that I didn't read, but all I appreciate everybody entering. Ariana, I appreciate you entering. Uh, you will be receiving your tires. You, you, I got you in contact with Randy today. But I also want to thank Michelin uh, Michelin Bicycle Tires. Uh, If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, stay tuned for more info about a Pulpamex discount coming soon from Michelin Bicycle Tires or visit bike.michelin.com. Thanks again to those guys. Okay, let's uh, let's knock through some of this stuff. Um, Chris Betts calls in, the AC expert. Um, you know, he says, Hey, there's no reason to worry after Steve asked him, should we be worried after the third round three week performance? Uh, Betts is a hundred percent on board with AC and said, there's nothing to worry about. He's going to win the championship. Um, let's go to you there, Clint. What do you think about Betts? He seems like a pretty cool dude, baseball player, professional ball player. Yeah, he seems cool. It seems like, uh, Mathis is looking for some dad time with him. Yeah, he was very he- heavy on playing catch <laughs> and running around some bases. Do you think they were out in the yard? Kinda, they go out yeah. in the yard in front of the the, uh, the MGM the Lions Den and play some ball. Yeah, they're like, Dad, let's go do figure eights in the parking lot. <laughs> I like it. Then, then I heard um, Chris was talking about uh, the stadium. They're building the Supercross, uh-huh. and he made a comment. He made a comment that somebody had said. Um, they thought that the dirt bikes for the halftime for the monster truck show. Yeah, well, yeah. I got news. I got news for him. I've been a side act to monster trucks many, many times in my life. <laughs> oh, that's okay? awesome. So we, we we are also second fiddle to monster trucks. So his friends were right. Then that's what he was. That's what it was. A hundred percent. They probably saw Monster Jam the last year, and they just thought they were putting some stupid jumps and you know bumps in for these guys <laughs> right. to ride around halftime. So that's funny. Uh, all right, X-Brand tear-offs, uh, Talon. couple good questions, a um, couple topics that came up. Steve talked about, I don't even remember how it got to this topic, but Steve talked about talking to Chad 
post-race and Chad wanting to do something with Stu that he can't talk about. Um, once again, some of the stuff that Steve does that drives us crazy but builds hype. Talking about something that he can't talk about. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about that town? Did he tell you what it was? And if so, what is it? He didn't tell me what it was. Damn it. Um, but I listened to the review show, and they were talking about how Steve or how Stu might have a monster deal coming up and how he might be coming back to Cali and things like that. So it seems like Stu's wanting to get more involved, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him do something with Chad. Okay. All right. Well, Steve Steve kind of made it sound like whatever it was Chad had in mind, Stu wouldn't do. But I think that's just because Stu doesn't seem to want to do anything recently other than now he's doing these reviews, um, which are kind of cool, Clint. I mean, that's not really talking about the Pulp Show, but what do you think about these James Stewart, JS7 reviews of each race so far? Uh, awesome. I mean, I honestly haven't even watched any of them, but uh, okay. I just think that the fact that which I guess is weird, but I think that the fact that somebody of that level, uh, especially somebody that's been MIA for, what, three years, four years, uh, steps back in to the sport at any facet, I think is a, is a good thing. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm all for it. And I'm sure, you know, people said uh, the first one, this or that, of course, uh, who, you know, he was the fastest man on a dirt bike. It doesn't mean that he's going to immediately be a, perfect you know public speaker so uh right let's give everybody talon uh james a little bit of leeway here to learn the deal before we start getting you know super critical yeah absolutely um another thing that came up during the x-brand tear-offs uh that moser sends in um it was asked to weege well weege talk it brought got brought up and weege talks about how toyota has the makeup to mud program and people complain about it. People like to hate on it. Um, and he kind of mentioned that it's pretty cool that Toyota, instead of having a, another commercial for themselves or doing something that's about Toyota specifically, they're actually advertising by promoting women's moto and trying to get more women involved. I thought that was a pretty interesting view of it. I hadn't really considered it that way. The fact that Toyota is the one putting this on, um, and that they are trying to invest in the sport. Um, I'll get your thoughts on that, Clint, because I, I like the Makeup to Mud segment. Personally, I enjoy it. I think it's it's interesting. You know, not all of them are great, but I think they're pretty good usually. Did you see my Makeup to Mud? <laughs> no, I don't think I saw yours. You did one? Okay, I'll check. I did. That's right. Everybody look for my Makeup to Mud. Just Google Clint Esposito Makeup to Mud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm with you now. Okay, yes. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's good. I obviously poked fun at it, but, um, no, exactly for exactly. They could have run just a commercial. It could have just been about Toyota truck, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not, you know, they're putting something back into the sport. Do I think they should get a little bit higher level females, uh, like riders into it? Yeah. But um, in any event, it's still helping. And maybe, honestly, getting a lower-level rider is better because it's more relatable. I think that's why they do it, yeah. average girl. Yeah, I guess if you had a Vicky Golden on there right off the rip and she's just, you know, doing turndowns backwards, <laughs> uh, how, how many girls are going to be like, how many guys are going to relate to that? Let's be honest, not very many. So Yeah, well, they did have Jordan Jarvis on, if I'm not mistaken, and um – I want to say at one point they had Hannah Hodges on, so they did. Yeah. They have had but, some but faster. There's only girls. been a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, 
All right, Talon. So the tweet at Talon segment, uh, my first question, not talking about the actually tweets this week in particular, but just how do you go about picking them? Do you read? I don't know how many you get each week, but do you just kind of skim through? Do you pick some that are your favorites? Because with Travis, we started to get in this habit of where we saw a lot of the same uh, Twitter handles that were funny over and over and over, and even if the topic maybe wasn't that great. What is your process? I read every single tweet, and I just I just screenshot the ones that I like, so they're in my phone, so I haven't saved. And yeah, you do get a lot of the same people tweeting in every week, just because it's probably, it's the same people who are fans of the yeah fans of the show. So, but yeah, I try to I try to pick different people. And there was the person last week I wanted to pick again, but I picked them last week, so I didn't pick them. Oh, okay. You know, I pick another tweet that's relevant, but. Yeah, we've had over like a hundred. So there's a lot to there's a lot of tweets to choose from. I don't know how it is every week once the season kind of mellows out. But these first rounds have been there's been a lot of questions. Okay, cool. Well, something I didn't mention was Skip Norfolk came in the studio. I kind of skipped over that. Um, the legend Skip Norfolk was in, so he had some good comments and, and a lot of good uh, opinions to talk about. Um, something that he brought up during the tweet segment was that he doesn't think the young guys racing now know how to race, basically race, race, uh, technique or what, you know, race craft, uh, because they're not racing at a young age and it's taking them longer. Once they get into the two fifty pro class to really get that race ability. Um, Clint, you know, what, what are your thoughts? If you think that that's makes sense, I, I totally agree with him. Absolutely makes sense. And that's even, uh, you remember when like Nate Adams was trying to qualify or that, uh, bicycle, uh, the downhill guy this year. Yeah, yeah. And it's like to say, say Nate last time, uh, Nate Adams, let's say, last time were good enough to make the main, right? You're still, once you get into race situation, it's no longer about just riding the fast line. It's about guarding your line. And a guy that's raced forever, you know, for 20 years, is for sure going to be able to just take the line away on you. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there yeah. is a whole nother thing than just a, a lot of what people don't get with racing is a lot of it is a chess match of figuring out exactly what corner you have a line where you're kind of faster than him. Yep. And now you spend the next lap trying to be close enough to him going into that section so you can try to take advantage of it. You know, it's not just holding the throttle on. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a good observation from Skip. Um, I liked him being in studio. I found it kind of funny watching on Facebook, which, I, like, you guys probably, well, Talon was there, so he saw it. But he was standing in the background of the entryway, kind of thinking he was out of the way when it, when when he first got there because he didn't know where to sit. He was just, like, standing there all awkwardly for, like, I don't know, five or ten minutes it felt like. And I finally texted Travis. It's like, would you please tell him to go sit down? We can see him stand there anyway. Like, I don't think he realized he was on camera, Talon. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he knew that that camera was getting him. And actually, when he did sit down, I don't know if it was from your text to Travis or what, but Steve actually finally pointed to the chair oh, okay. to kind of tell him, hey, come come over, sit down, put the headphones on. But yeah, it was about... I think he just didn't want to interrupt the show. Right, that's he what he said, yeah. Get it out of the way at first, yeah. Yeah, I almost texted Skip, but I, I thought that might be, he might be like, like really weirded out that somebody that's not even there is texting him to sit down. So I, I texted yeah. Travis, and about 30 seconds later, he sat down. But, uh, yeah, that, that was good. Um, all right, so let's jump to the voicemails just real quick. Um, we already talked about how you, you know, you're dealing with the drops and stuff. 
Uh, and you really, I don't feel like you've gotten any hate talent, but you're definitely getting some criticism so far. Um, how you handling that? How do you feel about it? Because it, it gets, you know, it gets old. Uh, I don't mind it so far. I, I know that it's an issue, and honestly, my friends send me worse messages than any of the callers are going <laughs> right, to call right. him out. So there you go. I, I have pretty thick skin. I don't mind, and I know I need to improve. So it's not like it, it's not like they're saying something I don't know. Right, right. Um, and hey, Clint, or uh, yeah, Clint, I wanted to talk about. I, I jumped over this too. Nash called in at one point, and um, you know, he was asking Kiefer about you know that they brought up him not wanting he want him wanting to watch the races basically from home. Um, which I don't see how you could see more being at home because usually the TVs are only focused on like one rider at a time. And when you're there, you could focus on whoever you want for the whole lap or whatever. Um, you think that's a legitimate thing going on with Kiefer there? Uh, I think that's an excuse not to go to the race. Uh, I think it's hard. You can watch practice, uh, but obviously being there in person and actually being able to watch somebody do full laps, like you said, um, and get an impression off of that, I would think would be way more, way more valuable yeah. than seeing it on TV and being comfortable on I, your account. I, I feel the same way, you know, and, but he's very adamant about it. Um, and, uh, you know, what was it? Kiefer said something about the re- what he likes to look at. And I can't even remember. He was talking about Nash. Nash was saying, yeah, ask him what he likes to look at as far as yes. uh, telling how a bike, if a bike is uh, set up well or not. And Chris said, Keeper, very good information, said it's all about the context, context patch. And that's basically if your bike settles down and has a big contact with the, uh, with the track, then you've got, you know, more control of your bike, more traction, you're more comfortable. Which is weird, though, because coming from freestyle, contact patch is just, how far away you need to stay to not catch a contact tie. <laughs> okay. You know, so maybe sometimes you're watching the race and you're like, oh, what's wrong with that guy? Oh, he got too close to the contact pad, I guess. <laughs> that's the difference in uh, FMX and MX, huh? That's, that's right. Contact patch is totally different totally in different. FMX <laughs> than it is in motocross. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, that's good. Um, okay, so there. I didn't feel like I got – any real i didn't remember hearing any uh, like horrible voicemails about myself so this was a great week of voicemails in my opinion uh, i did have a couple people defending me so i appreciate that uh steve said hashtag poor dark side uh but yeah the one guy said shocking what people will say about someone they've never met and man that's been probably my biggest gripe talon with um i guess just in general with the way people react to not even just me but anybody that they have some kind of opinion of and they just feel like they have to voice it it's it's just kind of almost inhuman feeling lately with social media yeah that's just kind of how social media is in general and you have a podcast so you're kind of under the spotlight and people are listening you know people are listening to what you have to say and sometimes they don't like it yeah so de- de- that doesn't mean you have to do anything different but no matter what you do there's going to be people who don't like what right. you're doing so damn right they're listening taking time to send these voicemails and messages because you're listening Anyway, yeah, that, yeah, that stuff makes me laugh. Like when a dude follows a hot chick on Instagram just so he can make shitty remarks. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. What? What are you? You're spending all this time to be. If you know you don't like it, like 
don't listen anymore. Why yeah. would you torture yourself so that you can be mad and call in and leave messages? That makes uh, zero sense to me. I agree. That I'm not, shows more who they are as a person than yeah. who you are. I'm not going to go on a rant again, so I'm going to let it go. I just <laughs> just interesting. Uh, okay, another voicemail. A guy said, "Fantasy's brutal." I'll be back next week. Uh, Clint, are you a fantasy? You're a fantasy guy, right? You play. I don't actually. I, oh, I thought did, you did. Like, I did two years ago, and okay. then, um, or maybe last year, and I forgot to make picks half the time, and then I just <laughs> was like, that's it, I'm bound out. <laughs> Man, yeah, well, it, that was a pretty, um, that almost, should, I feel like, should be the tagline for next year for the 2021 Pulp Mix Fantasy League. It's brutal. I'll be back next week. Uh, Talon, do you play? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you play. Yeah, yeah, I play. I was actually... I almost had a top 100 number after last what? season. I think I was like 150 or something. Yeah, that pisses me off right there. Just I'm not doing so hot this year. I'm back in like 1500 to 2000. But the the handicaps have been really hard this year. Dude, they have really been. Close. I I never do yeah. well. Like this week, I had I had Christian Craig, which that sucked. I had Cal Chisholm, that didn't go well. Um, yeah, I had a couple guys that just did it didn't work out, and you're just like son of a bitch. It doesn't matter. You could pick the most obvious pick, and if I pick them, there's going to be something wrong that week. It just doesn't work for me. I don't know, man. Bums me out. Yeah, you could play the JT route and you play conservative, so you have four guys in the main, and then, like you said, Chiz can have a crash, and then yeah. your, your points are screwed. Or I had Craig, so yep, me I too. was killing it at the beginning of the 250 round, and then when Ferrandis took Craig out, I'm like, well, there goes my score. Yeah, I just fell apart completely. Yeah, I was a bummer, but I yeah. love it, man. And like that guy said, I'll be back next week. Um all right, last yep. thing on the the voicemails, the the commentators, TV commentators. Steve made a really good point. You bitch and you bitch and you bitch about Ralph Shaheen. You bitch about Emig. They replace him. Then you bitch about those guys and want the other guys back. Everybody bitch has been bitching about Lee Diffie. We want Ralph back. Um, it's just Clint. I think people, as we just said, they just like to bitch. Yeah, what are we trying to please them for at this point? I don't know. I yeah, thought Lee Diffie did. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I think he does a good too. Yeah. I think he does a good job. I mean, uh, what now? It's an accent we're mad about. Like <laughs> exactly, uh, people right? Just, Jesus. People just don't like change. It's just change. Dude. Yeah, like, I think that's a good point. Um, I mean, look, Ralph does say some things. You know that, like they talk about, oh, the Green Kawasaki. He's explained why he does that. Why the his bosses want him to do that. You know, you you can't go to my job and, like, I can't do – I have to do what my bosses tell me. You know, if there's something they want me to do, I have to do it or I'm not going to have a job. You know, maybe Ralph could change it up a little bit, but Ralph does do a good job. And, you know, Ralph, Ralph's kind of my boy, man. He's a metalhead and he's Niners Nation. Go, go Niners. So Ralph can stick around as long as he wants as far as I'm concerned, Talon. Uh- I love that Ralph is a metalhead. Sorry. Yeah, he doesn't see. He doesn't seem like he fits that, does he? <laughs> but he's like, no. he's like best friends with the guys from Skid Row. And every time I talk to him, he's like, "Yeah, I just went and saw whoever." I'm like, man, it's so weird. But uh, Talon, what kind of music do you like, man? Uh, your your phone. I got a beep when you said that. What was that? I said your you, somebody hit their phone when when you said that, so I didn't hear your answer. Sorry. Oh, uh, punk rock, rap a little bit. It kind of depends on what mood I'm going for at the time. I can deal with I both those. I can deal with both those. As long as it's not country, I'm okay. Uh, there's a mood for country. No. I'm not going to lie. 
Country, country should be. Um, I'm not even get my opinion there because I'll be the guy bitching. So I'm going to stop. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty narrow minded when it comes to music. It's rock and metal, and that's about it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not good. Hey, Talon, I got one more question for you about your stuff, and then we'll very briefly touch on Kiefer after dark. When you and Travis were uh, battling it out for the producer spot, and Travis got the gig. Were you bummed or were you cool? What, what was that? How was that feeling? Oh, of course I was bummed. Like I wanted to be a part of it, but Travis has all his experience in the tech industry and there's no denying that he's done things that I wouldn't have been able to do with the show. Like getting the cameras set up and the app and all those things. So I think Travis was definitely the right pick at the time. And I'm just pumped that I can be a part of it now. So you weren't looking to take out like the knee or something like Nancy Kerrigan and uh you know back in the, you probably don't even know that reference but uh you weren't like no. hiding in an alley going to take his knee knee out from under him? No, no, nothing like that. <laughs> Me and Travis had actually texted each other while that whole thing was going on and we both kind of agreed like hey we're both going to be better than Gibbs so whoever he takes he takes. There's no <laughs> oh, nice. Hard feeling. All right, all right, that's hardcore. All right, guys, Kiefer after dark. Um, the, the really the only thing I want to touch on this in particular is. There was a couple that were very real, very uh, honest, you know, and Chris Chris put some real personal stuff out there, as he does sometimes. I mean, he talked about Heather, uh, you know, there's a, a, a guy called in about, you know, having kids or when do you know that you want to have kids? And uh, Chris, man, really was very open with some info about, you know, when they found out Heather was pregnant with Aiden, that she didn't really want to have him. Um I think Chris's advice is usually pretty damn good, but the fact that he is that honest shows how much he cares, Clint. Well, I agree, and that's a lot to to put yourself out there like that, for sure. Um, you know, I know myself, I pretty much anything happens in my life, and I disappear off of any social media or anything. So, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, he wants to um, just... There isn't really anybody in this facet that's uh, become like that guy, you know, for people to look to and to that you can say, you know, come to with stories like that and have him answer you without laughing at you or giving you a hard time, you know. So uh, somebody needs to do it, and Kiefer seems to be uh, the guy for it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Talent, do you like the Kiefer After Dark stuff? Oh, I love that segment. <laughs> I wish they, they need to do it when I'm there so I could be more a part of it. I like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You weren't there because they pre-recorded this week. That's right. Yeah. Uh, your time's going to come. You'll get some raunchiness. You'll get you'll get Heather in studio. That'll be that'll be good. I, I wish they did that stuff on camera because I'd love to see Chris's face. I think it, it's on camera on YouTube. It's oh, on that's YouTube. right. Yeah, I've just never gone. See, I should know that, man. I, I'm going to cut that out that I even said that. Come on, dark side. Yeah. <laughs> I should cut that out, but I won't. I'll let everybody hate on me for that. All right, Clint, um, Two Wheels to Freedom is your podcast. Where can people find that? Yeah, Two Wheels to Freedom are on uh, YouTube and then also any of the you know podcasting platforms for the most part, uh, iTunes, uh, all that stuff. So Yeah, it's Check cool. It thank, thank you, guys. It's 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 obviously it's one of the best one of the best shows out there. They've had me on, which you know, shows that it's, you know, it's awesome. I mean, why why would it not be? It's official. <laughs> it's official. We've had Mike Mason, yeah. Adams, but, but we had Dark Side, most importantly. Well, it, it's a fun show, man. You guys are, you know, you guys, 
making a lot of jokes and talking about different things in the industry and right and i i enjoyed being on it man i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate you coming on this show and talent i appreciate you also taking some time and um i really do look forward to seeing what the future of pulp is with you and as you you know find your your comfort zone and just get better and better and make the show better man i'm looking forward to it thank you yeah looking forward to it and of course, before we go, I got to thank once again our great sponsors. Please, man, go visit our sponsors. Use our sponsors if you can. Michelin Bicycle Tires is on board for 2020 at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. Check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. Go use those. Get get you some new tires for your road bike, your mountain bike. They're going to be, you know, give you all the grip and the traction you need. They're awesome. And, of course, Guts Racing for your seat covers and seat foam at GutsRacing.com and Motorsport.com for everything else. OEM parts, aftermarket parts, riding gear, accessories. Uh, I think we're going to have a deal coming up with a, a collaboration with them in Michelin Bicycle Tires soon. But please support those guys, and we, we are very thankful for them. All right, guys, once again, thank you. We're going to call this thing a wrap, and we'll be back next week as long as I don't get clippy. See ya. We're out of here. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?